Motherhood has been used to oppress and exploit women for centuries, but it doesn't have to be this way. And as mothers, we're ready for a revolution. We love our kids, but we struggle with losing our identities, bearing the weight of motherhood without enough support, and striving to meet those impossible standards of what it means to be a good mother. It's time to openly discuss how motherhood is deeply affected by patriarchy, racism, and capitalism, so that we can break free of these systems. As mothers, we know our work is valuable and has radical potential to birth a more equitable and inclusive future for ourselves and our children. Welcome to the Rebel Mothers Podcast. I'm your host, Susie Fishleader, and together we'll explore the challenges of modern motherhood and reclaim mothering as an act of liberation. Hello, and welcome to today's episode, The Mental Load of Motherhood. So this is going to kick off a two-part series. Today I'm going to explain what the mental load is and talk briefly about the differences between the mental load and emotional labor both of which fall under the umbrella of invisible labor. You've likely heard these terms before, and as someone who appreciates clear language, so we're all talking about the same thing, I think it's important to clarify what they mean. And then next week, I'm gonna do a deep dive into the emotional labor part of it, but today we're focusing on the mental load. So we're gonna learn about how patriarchal capitalism benefits from women performing the majority of invisible labor, which can also be termed reproductive labor, and bearing the majority of the mental load. Plus, we'll discuss how you can ease the burden of some of this mental load, whether you're partnered or not. And if you are partnered, I'll give you some ideas on how to talk to your partner about distributing this load more evenly so that you, as the mother, are less exhausted. And then as a bonus, I'm putting a checklist of tasks that require the mental load in the show notes that you can use in your conversation with your partner, your parents, in-laws, friends, really anyone else who can be a part of your community and help you not have to bear the mental load by yourself. So let's start with understanding invisible labor. Invisible labor is all the chores that a member of a household does to keep it running while their partner or the rest of their family is totally unaware that they are even tasks that need to be done. Much of this labor takes place within the domestic sphere and Marxist feminists often refer to it as reproductive labor. Sylvia Federici writes about reproductive labor and it can be understood again is all the unpaid labor that it takes to sustain a worker so for example having a safe home to go to healthy meals to eat clean clothes to wear all of which typically happens in the home uh, i'm gonna nerd out for a minute so and get a little technical so stay with me but in marx's theory there's something called productive labor and that is that results in goods or services that have monetary value in the capitalist system and are thus compensated. So for that basically it's work that you get paid for is productive labor. Reproductive labor is associated with the private sphere and it is work that you do not get paid for because it doesn't create any kind of surplus value for the capitalist class. Okay, so basically if you hear reproductive labor, it's pretty interchangeable with invisible labor. And since you typically only hear reproductive labor in a Marxist context, I'll usually just refer to it as invisible labor, which is more easily understood. All right, I'm done nerding out. So now let's get into the mental load of motherhood, which is part of invisible labor. The mental load refers to the cognitive labor involved in, you know, researching and preparing, planning, organizing, uh, anticipating, just thinking about everything that's required to raise children, in addition to doing the actual tasks themselves. 
It's all the stuff we have to remember and think about, right? It's the mental checklist that like has no end. Everything from remembering appointments and birthdays to planning meals and managing household tasks. And in heterosexual partnerships, it's typically the women who manage the majority of the mental load. And I want to address something real quick. You, you're going to hear a lot of gender stereotypes in this episode because unfortunately, they are still the norm. According to a 2019 study of nearly 400 married or partnered mothers in the U.S., 88% reported that they primarily managed routines at home, and 76% said that they were mostly responsible for maintaining regular household standards and order. This is typically not the case in same-sex relationships, and of course, single parents are 100% responsible. So while I don't want to reinforce traditional gender norms that say that moms are doing all the mental load, unfortunately, it, it's what we're seeing. And so a lot of this episode is geared toward that partnership between a man and a woman because we're still fighting back against these, you know, tired traditional gender roles. So let's real quick identify what is the difference between the mental load and invisible labor. Right, because a lot of times you hear these terms used interchangeably, but they do mean different things, and it's important that we use them correctly. You can think of the difference between invisible labor and mental load like this. The invisible labor is the chore itself, and the mental load is the thinking about the chore. And these are both very real things that both take time and energy. And in fact, sometimes I find that the mental load can be even heavier, right? Sometimes after you've done all the work of researching, planning, or thinking about a certain task, it's easier to just do the task itself or like the part that I can hand off is the easy part after I've done all that planning, right? So here is a specific example because I want to really make sure that we bring this point home. The laundry, <laughs> which is my probably least favorite chore. Um, doing the laundry is a chore. It is invisible labor, right? My kids open up their dresser and their closet and there are clean clothes in there, ready to wear. I don't even know if they think about how they got there. They just know that they have clean clothes in their dresser. And even if they do appreciate the task, they might not account for all the steps that it took to get those clean clothes there. So the steps involved in doing the laundry, like gathering up the dirty clothes, putting them in the washer and dryer, folding them, putting them away, this is all invisible labor because they're not seeing that they just see the result the mental load of laundry looks like this you know you walk down the hall and you see that the laundry basket is overflowing so now you have to mentally add do the laundry to your ongoing task list as you're gathering up dirty clothes you see that your seven-year-old is wearing underwear that has holes in it so now you have to mentally add new underwear to your ongoing shopping list and then when you throw everything in the wash you realize that you're almost out of laundry detergent so now you mentally add laundry detergent to your ongoing grocery list, right? Then while you're sitting down and folding the laundry, which should be a mindlessly pleasant task of handling clean, warm clothes, it occurs to you that the seasons are changing soon. And now you have to remember where you put all the winter clothes so you can pull them out of storage, sort through the coats and hats and mittens that don't fit anymore so you can donate them, which means you'll now need to add a trip to the donation center in your schedule somewhere. And then as you finish putting away all these clothes, your partner walks up to you and brings you a dress shirt that's missing a button and they ask you where the sewing kit is and you lose your shit because you absolutely cannot handle one more thing in your tired little brain. That's the difference between the endless tasks of invisible labor and the totally exhausting drain of the mental load. 
Now I want to discuss an important point in all of this. Invisible labor and the mental load are not inherently unpleasant, right? Picking up birthday presents for a child, planning their birthday party, you know, baking and decorating a cake. There is plenty of mental and invisible labor that goes into all of this, but the labor itself can be delightful and fulfilling. It can be super fun. One of my own Christmas traditions is I buy an ornament for everyone in my family, my three kids and my husband. And I get so much joy out of thinking about what kind of personalized, meaningful, or funny ornament that I can give them. Yes, it's invisible work. And yes, it takes a mental load, but it's not burdensome or unpleasant. I have a friend who throws the most incredibly detailed birthday parties for her kids, and I think she truly enjoys all the creativity and planning that goes into it. But for some mothers, the idea of creating a magical experience for their family is a burden, and there's nothing wrong with being indifferent or even resentful about it. So you get to decide what feels like a burdensome mental load to you. Now, I want to briefly touch on emotional labor. Because I, again, I often hear emotional labor used to mean all those household tasks that a mother does, but emotional labor is something different. It's not synonymous. So I think it's important that we really quickly address it and then I'll talk more about it next week. So um, the concept of emotional labor was first introduced in 1983 and it was originally meant to be the emotional labor involved in your job. So for example, you know, retail workers and baristas smiling and making cheerful small talk throughout their shift, even when they're having a personal crisis at home, right? Or you have a school teacher who just has to remain calm and pleasant while parents are blaming them for their child's poor grades, right? So the point that uh, Dr. Hawkschild, who first introduced this concept, was trying to make is that while you might be doing physical labor and mental labor in your job, you were also hired for your ability to create and manage feelings for other people. That is the emotional labor. But since then, the definition has expanded beyond the workplace, and now it, it really includes personal relationships with you know, friends and family members, romantic partners. And in motherhood, emotional labor is that essential work of managing and nurturing the emotional well-being of children and the family unit. It's different from the mental load and invisible labor in that it's not just a series of tasks. It's like that ongoing and often exhausting effort of empathy and patience and, you know, providing emotional support and guidance. You're mediating conflicts between siblings. You're offering comfort. So these often ask for deep emotional investments and it can be really rewarding but it can also be overwhelming, especially when you combine it with all of the other responsibilities that come with motherhood. So that's emotional labor real quickly. Like I said, we'll get into it again next week. So to recap, invisible labor in motherhood, also called reproductive labor, is all the physical tasks required to keep a household running smoothly. Mental labor, which is also invisible, is the very real work of thinking about the tasks required to keep a household running smoothly. Emotional labor, which is mental and invisible, is the work of being attuned to the emotional needs of your family and creating a safe and nurturing environment. So if all three types of labor, invisible, mental, and emotional, are very real and valid, which they are, they all take time and energy. We know they take time, energy, dedication, sometimes specialized knowledge, right? Why are they so undervalued? Why are they unseen and unappreciated? Here's the thing. This is not a mistake. This is not an oversight or an accident. 
The fact that unpaid domestic labor is typically performed for free by married women sustains both patriarchy and the capitalist workforce, and there have been hundreds of years of systemic efforts to make this happen. Under patriarchy, women are assigned to the role of primary caregiver and homemaker because it's assumed that they're just naturally better at it than men, right? It's like this unspoken expectation that men should go out into the world and chase careers and be part of making decisions and shaping the future of the planet and participating in the economy, while women should raise the children, plan for meals, keep the bathroom clean, provide that crucial emotional support. So this not only perpetuates gender inequality in the home, but also plays a crucial role in maintaining a source of free labor that capitalism exploits. In the capitalist system, right, unpaid domestic labor is the invisible backbone of the workforce. And this is what Silvia Federici has been writing about for over 50 years. Please look up her work if you can. She's a revolutionary and hugely inspirational. But women's unpaid work allows male partners to engage more fully in paid employment, which supports capitalist productivity. If women weren't doing this unpaid work at home, men would have to hire someone to fulfill these necessary tasks, which means employers would have to pay them more money, which means less corporate profits for shareholders, right? You see how it goes up the chain. Or men would have to step up and perform the tasks themselves, leaving them exhausted and less functional at work, performing the second shift that mothers do all the time. So this arrangement really perpetuates the gender wage gap, leaving women economically vulnerable because of their limited participation in paid work. So what's more, it also hampers women's chances for career advancement and financial independence because they find themselves, again, constantly drained by the never-ending demands of unpaid household labor. It's like this vicious cycle of cause and effect. And it's exhausting. Mothers are overwhelmed and burnt out. Taking on the majority of this labor can affect your relationship with your partner, who may not even be aware of everything you're juggling. It can affect your health and mental well-being because you're so busy taking care of everyone else, you don't have time to take care of yourself. Children are negatively affected by having a mom who's less available and more tired. And handling all this stuff also means you have less time for joy, for leisure, creativity, or rest, or personal growth, or just doing something else because it brings you happiness and delight. And it's why sometimes even the most well-meaning partners ask, how can I help? That can actually make it worse. There was a period of time when I was totally swamped with work and the kids and everything just felt like too much. And I remember asking my husband to take care of dinner. And he was like, absolutely, no problem. I've got it. What are we having? And I just like slumped down and I felt like crying because I didn't want him to just make dinner. I didn't want to have to plan dinner. I didn't want to have to think about the foods that my family would actually eat and then look in the fridge to see what was going to expire soon and then look up a recipe and make a grocery list and go to the store and bring everything home. I just wanted to sit down and have food put in front of me without thinking about it. A quick break in our programming to let you know that Rebel Mothers is brought to you by Mother Bloom Coaching, now accepting new clients for 2024. Imagine yourself in three months, happier and more patient with your kids, confidently setting boundaries with family, and actively contributing to a more equitable future for all mothers and children. It's life coaching tailored for rebel moms, and Mother Bloom covers it all. Work-life balance, partner support, generational healing, and more. Our live one-on-one coaching calls become a weekly self-care treat just for you. Plus, enjoy an exclusive friends and family discount when you sign up by the end of the year. 
Ready to elevate your mom game in 2024? Visit suzyfishleader.com and click on Motherhood Coaching to join the motherhood revolution. So, what do we do about it? How do we ease this burden of the mental load on mothers? Well, there are collective and individual solutions. Collective solutions could include advocating for shorter work weeks, flexible work arrangements, higher wages, you know, more comprehensive social support systems. These, these measures would reduce the economic and time pressures on families, so it would allow parents to live more fairly. They could more equally share domestic and caregiving responsibilities. Also, just imagine for a second if we lived in a society with major state investments in childcare so that the responsibility of raising the next generation was shared collectively instead of put entirely on the individual family unit. This could include things like a more generous maternity and paternity leave so both parents could participate in those intensely demanding early newborn days. It could include thorough and extensive postpartum care for new mothers. It can include free or affordable child care with well-compensated caregivers. So also encouraging men to take on more domestic labor, including housework and child care, is not only beneficial for individual families, but also for society at large. When fathers actively participate in household and caregiving responsibilities, it's been shown to foster healthier and more equal partnerships between the parents and also set positive role models for the children, demonstrating that both genders can share in the responsibilities of home and family life, both the hard work and the joy and delight of having children, right? So this in turn contributes to more balance and fulfilling family dynamics. And then on a collective level, this shift of including men in housework and more childcare, that challenges those traditional gender norms and it promotes gender equality. So opens up opportunities for women, all the good things, right? But while we're advocating for these social changes, there's still an immediate need to address the invisible mental and emotional labor of motherhood for individual mothers. Maybe you're already married to someone who is aware of all this and he is actively working to equitably share the household and childcare tasks before you even have to think about them. And maybe he's also increasing his emotional availability to the children while simultaneously showing gratitude and appreciation for everything you do around the house. One of the things my husband does cons- uh, consistently is the dishes. So, you know, we, we both share in making dinner. We both share in cleaning up process after dinner. He or I will wash the dishes, we'll load the dishwasher. All that's pretty equal. But then every night while I'm saying goodnight to the kids, he goes down to the kitchen, gathers up the last, you know, stray cup or spoon, loads everything in the dishwasher, puts in a little detergent pod, and sets the dishwasher to run. I never even have to think about it. And this is not a huge thing. This is running the dishwasher. But that task, completely off my mental load because I know he's going to take care of it. I don't have to think about it. And also, bonus, if he has time before he leaves for work in the next morning, he'll unload the dishwasher. So I'll wake up in the morning and the dishes will be clean, the sink is empty, and I don't have to think about it or ask him to run the dishwasher or feel annoyed. That's his task. But maybe you're not married to that person. So let's talk about how you bring this conversation home to your partner. And yes, it is an ironic truth that the task of trying to educate our partners and community on how invisible labor is overwhelming us is itself an example of invisible mental and emotional labor. And to that, all I can say is, I'm sorry, you're right, it sucks, (laughs) right? We are often the ones responsible for unloading our own burdens. Just 
know that you're not alone. This is literally one of the most popular things I'm asked about, mental, the mental load and invisible labor. And so the good news is that for many moms, once they start to open up and share with their partners, even identifying themselves all the stuff they've been doing, a lot of moms actually do get some assistance. There is no shame in asking for help. Prioritizing your mental well-being is essential, okay? Not just for you, but your entire family. So being a rebel mother means we have to model the type of equitable relationships and partnerships we want to see in the world. So it is critical to have these conversations. But what if you're not married or partnered? Well, first of all, I'm sending you a big hug. This is all really hard to manage on your own. And hopefully you have some type of support structure out there, maybe parents or friends who can help. These conversations apply to them too. And honestly, sometimes it's easier to have conversations about the mental load with them than it is a male partner. Now, real quick, disclaimer. Before I talk about having a conversation with your partner about dividing up domestic labor, I just want to say if you are currently in an abusive relationship or feel unsafe in any way, it is the most essential to prioritize your safety and well-being above all else. If you feel like you might be putting yourself at risk for harm by even discussing the division of labor around the house, please consider reaching out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I'll put the link in the show notes and they will can provide you the confidential support, resources, and assistance in escaping an abusive relationship. If you feel like you can have a comfortable and respectful conversation about addressing the division of the invisible and mental labor in your household, here are some tips. And I have also created a free PDF called the Mental Load Checklist that you can access in the show notes. So go there afterward if you need just like a starting point for everything that happens around the house in raising children. Okay, so tip number one, make sure you have this conversation when you are not in the middle of being pissed off about chores, right? If you're really angry, that's not the time to say, we have to talk about this. Wait till there's a calm moment and then it can be as simple as asking your partner, hey, I've been feeling a little overwhelmed with all the household tasks lately. Can we sit down tomorrow afternoon and chat about some ways to make it a little easier for me? And then you can approach it from, you know, a place of calm and resourced. Okay, tip number two, keep that first conversation brief. If you've been having this conversation with your partner over and over and over again, it might be time to just try some other solutions. I'm not sure. But if you haven't really had the opportunity to talk about dividing up labor, you might be feeling years of pent-up resentment, but this is not the time to detail out every single thing you've ever done for the relationship or the kids or the house or his family. Just start with what you're feeling and name the problem as the mental load, not as your partner. Like this, like, you know how lately I've been feeling too tired and burnt out to do anything? It's because of the mental load that I'm carrying. It's this constant to-do list that I have running in my head about everything that has to happen in the house or with the kids. So naming that can help both of you put language to it that isn't like, this is your fault. You're not contributing, right? It's just a little bit easier to have that conversation. And then tip number three. So from here, it might be helpful to walk your partner through a specific example to describe everything involved. So I gave the example of laundry earlier. And then recently, I detailed out to my husband all the work that goes into picture day at school, right? I start by putting it in my calendar. I have to shop for new outfits that look nice but are also comfortable enough that the kids will actually wear them. I schedule haircuts. I iron the night before. I make sure they leave the house looking neat and clean. 
And then I manage all the emails that the school sends with their, you know, like photographer code for each kid. So then I have to go to the website, select the picture package to purchase. We get the pictures and then I cut out the pictures so I can send them in the Christmas cards to the grandparents. I put the eight by tens in a frame for a family wall. Now, my husband was certainly aware of some of these tasks. You know, he participated this last time by showing our two boys how to tie neckties. They enjoyed some very nice father-son bonding time in our bathroom. But he truly was just unaware of every step involved in the task of picture day. And I could do this for nearly everything in our house. Every item of clothing purchased for the kids, every vacation planned, every holiday or birthday enjoyed. Like, all of these things have so many multiple steps that just aren't seen. I want to talk about, I guess this is tip four. Um, I want to address a point that I see brought up a lot online often by men, about dad jobs. So again, please excuse the glaring gender stereotypes that will follow this point. But dad jobs are basically all the jobs that the men do in the household. So examples that I've seen given online include lawn maintenance, home repair, taking the car to get serviced, you know, IT support, cleaning out the gutters, hanging Christmas lights, etc. You get the picture. And certainly these things need to get done around the house by somebody. But there's a few important distinctions between these tasks and the household tasks that typically fall to mom. So number one, few to none of the tasks that I mentioned are daily tasks. The activities that it takes to run a household, like cooking and laundry and dishes, these need to be done every single day. They are repetitive. Um, you know, caring for children, like bath time and homework, making sure they're brushing their teeth. These are also done daily. The mental load of daily work is daily. It is constant. It is never ending. The mental load for mowing the lawn is maybe once a week you need to think about whether your mower has gas or needs to be serviced. Once a year you need to think about registering the car. So the mental load of those infrequent and external tasks is minimal or non-existent. Second point, these jobs are often done out of the house and typically without children. So the domestic labor that happens inside the house is repetitive and isolating. And honestly, if small children are around, it's sometimes just fucking impossible. Like if I set out to do a task like mop the floors, I'm constantly interrupted by kids who need to find a pencil or want a snack or can't find shoes or don't like their sister. But cleaning the gutters can be done in the fresh air, in solitude. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. Even the crappy jobs like snow blowing the driveway in negative 10 windchill those jobs can still get done in peace and quiet. And third point, dad jobs, or maybe we should just call them like infrequent jobs, are often visible and obvious and creative. You can see the results of your hard work when you mow the lawn or hang Christmas lights and everyone else can see them too. People can point to your work and say, hey, great job. And you can have a sense of pride and accomplishment in finishing a task. But the endless chores inside the house are often totally invisible, like sorting through the mail, working through clothes that don't fit anymore, meal planning, prepping, helping with homework. Maybe you can look at a child that's clean after the bath and, you know, feel a sense of pride that they're clean, but it also comes with the weary knowledge that you're going to have to do it all over again tomorrow. It's just this constant maintenance. It doesn't create anything or produce anything. It's just there. There's always more laundry to fold. There's always more dishes to put away, more puzzle pieces to pick up, more empty toilet paper rolls to replace, right? 
So when it comes to the mental load, there's far more weight and burden in thinking about the daily tasks than there are in the occasional tasks done outside. Both are important. All of these tasks are needed to run a household. And sometimes all it takes is listing out all the tasks and then dividing them up. You've probably heard about Eve Rodsky and the Fair Playbook, and then she has a card deck as well. That's a great resource for this conversation. Or download the checklist in the show notes and just get the conversation started. Just sitting down with your partner and saying, hey, we've never actually taken a look at everything that needs to be done around the house. And now that we have kids and our work schedules have changed, maybe it's helpful if we sit down and just take a look at this so we can divide it up. It's going to be huge for your relationship and for your own mental health. Okay, so to wrap this up, let's recap. The mental load of motherhood is profound and often overlooked aspect of women's lives. As we've explored in this episode, the mental load involves the cognitive labor of planning, organizing, and anticipating everything required to raise children and manage a household. It is a constant and often overwhelming mental checklist that can leave mothers feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and burnt out. This burden of invisible and mental labor, which is predominantly borne by women, has deep historical roots and serves as the invisible backbone of patriarchy and capitalism. There are collective actions that we can do to advocate for change, and we can also encourage men to take on more domestic labor. Then on an individual, lab- on an individual level, it's essential for mothers to have open and respectful conversations with their partners about this division of invisible labor and the mental load. And while these discussions can be challenging, they are so important for prioritizing your mental well-being and creating equitable partnerships. This is our job as rebel mothers. We can do the hard work, right? Okay, that's it. So stay tuned for part two of our series where we are going to dive deeper into the concept of emotional labor in motherhood. Stay tuned for more empowering stories and insightful discussions in future episodes of Rebel Mothers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to spread the message far and wide. Learn more at suzyfishleader.com. And thank you for being part of the motherhood revolution.